Alright, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Tuesday, November 13th, 2018, and you know what that means. It's time to get nerdy, y'all. Welcome to episode number 81 of Two Nerds in a Pod, the nerdiest gaming podcast in the galaxy. I'm Lom, also known as Mr. Nice Guy, and I've got my comrade in gaming commentary here with me, the miggity 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 Mac, also known as Maction. Mac, how you been, buddy? Been good, Mr. Nice Guy. It's been a fun and eventful and most of all enjoyable week. Dude, any stories to share? Yeah, one funny one. So I may have mentioned before that with uh, some friends IRL, I've been, you know, uh, satisfying my desire for some D&D. And uh, that's been going on on a weekly basis, which has been very fun. Uh, but almost every time we get together, there's at least one really, really funny thing that happens. And I tend to try and tweet uh, the best, you know, sort of condensed version of what's going on. But uh, at one point in time, this most recent week, they actually they split the party in half in order to go and, you know, and accomplish two things at once, while the spellcaster, or Mr. Squishy, was kind of, you know, hanging back, doing a bunch of stuff, and uh, the spellcaster isn't always, you know, looking out for the party. It's definitely looking out for number one. Of course. Uh, and so he was he was experimenting with these, ma- you know, magic items that they picked up along the way, and uh, found one that, like, it was bad. Like, objectively, you did not want to have this magic item because it, like, did bad things for you. But it was... Uh, uh, but they wanted to, you know, he wanted to research it. And so... Uh, but they had split the party, like I said. And the one that stayed with the spellcaster was uh, was their rogue, who also happens to be in... NPC, and I, I, I say that with a little asterisk because usually Mrs. The Mac actually plays that rogue, but she doesn't always make it to all of the, uh, you know, to all of the sessions. So when she's not playing the rogue, I, you know, it's just played as an NPC. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so she's there keeping an eye on things, and then the spellcaster, when the rest of them gets back, they're like, "Hey, what was up with that really gnarly-looking amulet?" It's just like, "Oh man, it, it was it was terrible." So I got rid of it, but he didn't actually get rid of it. He just stowed it, and so and so because of course, Mrs. The Max character had been there watching it all. Um, was like, "It's right over there," <laughs> and then he goes, "Oh, I forgot she was there. Wear wear a bell, will you?" And it was, you know, it was just this really, there's lots of really fun, fun moments like that, which probably aren't anywhere near as fun, but there they are to uh, outsiders. But, but there you go, Mr. Nice Guy. I hope that was funny. Dude, that was fantastic. Now, if you're a listener and you're still with us after that story, you're a true nerd because some of that lingo even went over my head. Um, but Mac, that is a funny story. I like that, man. Um, and I need to get into D&D. It's something I've never done, but I feel like it's almost like a rite of passage um, in nerd culture. It's just never something I've gotten to do. I'm sure there's groups out here in Illinois that do it. Uh, I just need to find some people who do it and find the time. So it sounds like a great time, to be to be honest with you. It, it really is. I think there are a few things that really approach. I mean, even when we talk about, you know how much we love couch co-op. Yes, um, sir. Part of what's so much fun about couch co-op is the camaraderie, but also the uh, uh, the sort of you know essence of being in the thick of it with someone you know with someone else you know, and 
I don't think couch co-op holds a candle to the type of, uh, you know, combined energies that you feel when you're in the groove in a game of D&D. So I, I would say it's probably my preferred even over couch co-op. So just what I'm saying, Mr. Nice Guy, is be careful. Because once you experience some truly good D&D times, it, it'll be hard to... Uh, It'll be hard to not recognize that anything else is just a pale facsimile. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, but th- it is what it is, you know. I I don't know if I agree that, that that type of thing is cooler than couch co-op, but I've never done it, so I can't really say. Um, as far as stories for me this week, hmm, nothing, man. Did some stand-up, uh, played some video games. Life is, life is really good, man. Um, had a pretty relaxing uh i had the day off yesterday so i got to relax a good amount got a lot done played a lot of halo i guess i shouldn't say that now i should save that for the end of the show when we talk about that but things are good mac i've been been getting some classic gaming in so um on that note we want to take a few minutes before we hop into the news to talk about stan lee uh, as many of you guys know, probably all of you if you're listening to this because uh, you're a nerd like us, he passed away, Marvel Marvel creator, um, at age 95. And so Mac and I wanted to take a couple minutes to pay tribute and just talk about some of our favorite Marvel movies. Uh, Mac, do you want to go first, man? Absolutely. So first, Stan Lee, may his memory be a blessing, of course. But uh, that, uh, that just being said, I think um, as far as... Uh, the movies. I mean, it's hard to pick one, but if I had to say, um, if I had to say one, I would actually say the early X Men movies. You know, the okay. ones with Brian Brian Singer and and I mean, and it's not just because of Patrick Stewart for uh, for Xavier, but really, um, I feel like the the original X Men movie, just X Men One, uh, was really kind of the best you know it was that moment in time where we finally got a superhero movie that really uh hit that right line that right um it walked that line between being you know a little too campy or or too fan servicey on one side or, or and you know being too dark on the other as there's definitely that struggle when you're trying to adapt those things. It was just kind of the perfect one and gave me kind of hope that we could have a good superhero movie. Um, but also, I did always love the X-Men, I think, most. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Did you watch, you watch the cartoons back in the day? You better believe it. Dude, they were amazing. Like, if I don't think they're out on Blu-ray, um, but I feel like I'd pick them up if they were, and then probably not watch them just because I don't have a lack or don't have time. Um, but they're they're fantastic movie or fantastic cartoons and fantastic movies as well. I agree with you. Any other Marvel movies you want to shout out, or should I talk about some of my favorites? You know, give us some of your favorites, Mister Nice Guy. So I feel like one of the ones that's most iconic to me is Spider-Man. Um, the first one and the third one. Um, the first one, it was just like the perfect origin story. Um, I feel like the people who were in the movies weren't, you know, they weren't new at acting, but I feel like they weren't so established um, that that we could mostly associate them with Spider-Man. Um, Tobey Maguire at the time had been in other stuff, but Spider-Man is kind of the movie that made him more of a household name. <clears throat> 
And I think with those superhero movies, if you get an actor that's already been in tons of other stuff, you're always going to compare the movie to what they did in their other work. Um, but I mean, it was a perfect story. Um, they had really, really good casting in, in May and Uncle Ben and Mary Jane and, and just all the characters. In, even in, in, um, in uh, Harry and, uh, and his dad, you know, in The Green Goblin. So, you know, that to me was like the perfect origin story and one of the first Marvel movies. And of course, you know, if I had to pick others that I've really enjoyed, you know, The Avengers is an obvious choice. I feel like those movies have just been fantastic. Um, not flawless, but they've been really, really, really good. Uh, so those are probably my tops. I will say, well, I won't talk about ones that disappointed me. I'll just talk about those. Those have been good. Uh, any other Marvel stuff, Mac, for you that you want to shout out? You know... Shoutouts to every cameo. Hey, Mac, are you still that there? Stan Lee pulled off in all of these movies. You know, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find um, such a giant, uh, you know, who's not only whose presence was in all of these various Marvel things, you know, going back even to the comics where you would get uh, little messages from Stan Lee that he ended in, I'm, you know, he ended that in Excelsior, uh, but uh, but also the cameos that he was always doing in all of the movies. I just, it's hard to imagine him being gone because he's just been with us for so long. Yeah, so. I, I agree 100%, man. Um, and it's one of those things where there's been a few things in nerd culture that have made it cool to be a nerd again and I feel like Marvel movies are one of those things that have united all people because I mean anyone will go watch one of these movies now um, Matt can you still hear me yeah I can still hear you okay so for some reason the uh, OBS keeps disconnecting and reconnecting but we're just gonna roll with it so anyway, Marvel, fantastic. Mac, on that note, I see we do what we do best, and we hop right into the gaming news, my friend. What do you think? Absolutely. Right into the gaming news it is. Right into the gaming news. We're going to just do a few stories tonight. Um, I don't know what you have for legalese, but does it have anything to do with Nintendo? So here's the thing. Uh, I was going to reserve that as a side bit, just in the off chance that we didn't want to talk about it in gaming it. news. No, 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 no. I've got a, I've got something else. So let's talk about this in gaming news because I think it'll be more interesting to talk about it in this context rather than in the legalese context. Cool. So we'll talk about this and we'll spend a good amount of time on this story um, because I think that it, it really affects a lot of people no matter what your favorite console is, no matter what type of gamer you are. Um, this is on Game Informer. It says, Arizona couple Jacob Mathias and Chris, Christian Mathias have been ordered to pay over $12 million to Nintendo for running the pirated ROM sites LoveRoms.com and LoveRetro.co. The couple admitted to copyright and trademark infringement and allegedly settled on the lofty judgment rather than risk losing more in a suit Nintendo brought forth in July. Wow. Uh, many have speculated that the high figure is meant to deter other sites from offering pirated ROMs, and indeed, many other sites have shut down following Nintendo's legal action. Love ROMs once offered pirated ROMs of games like Pokemon Yellow, Donkey Kong Country, and Mario Kart 64. The site has since shut down and now only offers a simple message titled, Apology to Nintendo. The ruling is a major coup for Nintendo, who will take ownership of the sites and receive all Nintendo games and hardware still in the couple's possession. Wow. The ruling also included a permanent injunction ensuring that the couple will not infringe on Nintendo's copyright material ever again. 
Oh, that's from Game Informer. Mac, what are your thoughts, man? Okay. Well, I I feel like I've I beat a bit of a dead horse from time to time. Um, when we start talking about ROMs and emulators, and I guarantee you this won't be the last you hear from me on the matter, but in short, there is no point in time where, aside from ROMs, we are likely to ever be able to have unfettered access to the whole Nintendo library, if for no other reason, and just, just NES titles. SNES is even worse, 64 even worse because of licensing requirements. Precisely because Nintendo is going to be unwilling, unable to secure licensing rights to, you know, things. And this gets worse once you get into, like, the disc-based games and you have, like, CD audio tracks on things. Right, Trying to relicense those things, no company is ever going to take that on. So just throwing this out there, without ROMs available on the internet, and of course we know Nintendo does not want you to have those, but there is no way that even with their subscription model that they're doing for the Nintendo Switch, that you will ever, at at three titles a month, I highly doubt that they will ever allow you to access all 714 North American released titles my guess is that that subscription service is going to pivot slightly in about a month or so. This sort of drip of three games a month that they're doing on the Switch is going to serve just to tide you over up until they start releasing SNES games. And then it'll probably be the same three titles released per month, which we already know from looking at the code are nothing but ROMs that they downloaded exactly. off of the internet. Exactly. So, I mean, this is a thing where it's like, on from a practical perspective, they will never be able to profit off of all the games being sold or being <clears throat> available for free. There's no way they will never be able to do it. And so it's incredibly disingenuous the arguments that they tend to make. I, I'm sorry, I'm getting off track. You had something to say. You're okay. I will say that they did release um they released a ROM version of the Legend of Zelda that was um it was, it like was a, easy mode. It was easy mode, yeah. So they are, you know, not that that takes a ton of work, but they are releasing versions of games slightly different, you know, than than the original. Um, I just wanted to add that as a caveat before someone, you know, hits us up and says, you said that they're just downloading the ROMs, but really they do this. Um, we, we get it. We get it. For the most part, they're downloading the ROMs, though. Um, my concern and actually to that point, I do want to mention that a lot of these ROM sites actually were holding lots of fan either hacks or remakes. exactly exactly. I mean, the uh, 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 one of my favorite games, my favorite genre or my favorite uh, group of games, the Mega Man Classic series. Um, there are so many really bad ROM hacks for Mega Man 2, for example, but there are so also so many very good ones as well. And where do those get hosted? Where do we find them now without these, what before now had been pretty, you know, pretty above board, pretty safe channels to download them? Yep. Um, and it's, you know, it's, I, I think it's, I think ROM hacks are no less of a an artistic expression than the original game itself. But that's just my hot take. Yeah, Sorry. I'm with you. No, I'm with you. Now, here's the one thing I want to discuss. Um, the $12 million that this couple is being forced to pay. Now, granted, they were probably profiting off of the site. And if they're able to pay $12 million and they agreed to that, 
rather than have the trial go on further, they obviously are not hurting for money. So I actually disagree. I don't really? think okay. that there's going to be any um, anything close to that amount of twelve million dollars paid. Well, then um, what, do you, what do you think is going to happen then? Oh, well, big things like this, uh, kind of like how you remember that uh, thing with uh, with uh, it was a few years ago. Somebody had music that had been downloaded, or maybe it was the Hurt Locker or some such. But it was one of those things where where the judgment was given that they pay cr- a crazy high amount of money, which wound up being something like they could only confirm that it had been downloaded six times, and it wound up being like thirty five thousand dollars in damages per time it was downloaded. You know, this movie. Uh, The point of this is not to actually get that money paid because there's no way they've got that much money, but rather to try and establish uh, from a precedent, you know, from a court precedent standpoint, how much damage each download does to the company. Or at least uh, when you do this, this is a this is a settlement that they're that they're working on. And so it's to try and get a, you know, a, a legal legally sanctioned, oh, this is how much it costs us so that when they issue uh, stuff to like people who have ROMs and right. just be like, hey, you gave us this much damage, this many millions in interesting, damage. Interesting. It, it's it's really just to bolster the sort of scare tactics that they can use when they come after you and me. Um, and, and, and you I, say you I and me, you mean the, people in general who are doing yeah, that type of thing? Because we don't yeah, do that. I, yeah, I use that in the in the royal sense, but but yeah, it, it's it's just so that they've got a number that they can put down there and they can say, look at this, because remember these guys? Yeah, we sunk them for twelve million, uh, but there's no way in heck that they're going to get twelve million, and there's no way that those. I, I mean, I know a little bit because I've actually tried uh, doing some advertising online, and I know how much it costs the advertiser, and from the flip side, I know about how much money goes into your pocket by running advertisements on a website um, and there's no way that 12 million is uh, is anywhere you know that they don't have that kind of money but this is just to kind of this is just to add more bark to the bite if that makes sense we're just gonna have to fight through with these dropped calls I'm not sure what's happening um, but anyway what I was saying is I was thinking maybe the ad revenue was contributing to their decision to come up with such a large number, but I actually buy into your theory that maybe it's just to set a precedent so that people don't do that uh, in the future. Well, that's what I had to say about that story. Do you have anything else, Mac? Oh, so much, but in interest of time, I'm just going to leave it be at that. We can hit this topic more on future days. Yeah, it's it's something worth revisiting. So, uh, next news story is from GameInformer.com also. It says PUBG is coming to PS4 in December. I'm not going to read the whole thing, uh, but I will say it's coming on December 7th, and it includes a pair of in-game items from The Uncharted and The Last of Us. You can see the trailer on GameInformer.com. There's several versions of the game available, which is different because when I bought it on Xbox, uh, there was only a $30 version, and it was basically like a, uh, almost like a beta. Uh, it was still in early access. Now they have the $30 version, which includes the base game. For 50 you can get the Survivor's Edition, which includes the base game, uh, and a bunch of in-game currency, and then for 60 bucks you get more in-game currency. Mac, originally PUBG was part of the reason that I bought an Xbox One. Um, cause I really only got it to play the exclusives, right? Halo, um, you know, PUBG and really that was mainly it. Um, now it's coming to PlayStation and, and I thought it was going to be an exclusive. Does exclusivity even exist anymore other than original IPs? 
um, for a console, or or should we just have one, all the companies come together and just make one big console, and let's stop pretending like it matters where you're playing? What do you think? Um. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a simple answer, and that's how I feel too. Yeah. You know, I mean, Nintendo is really the only only company that has games that will never ever be, at least in the foreseeable future, on PlayStation or Xbox. When I look back at 360, Xbox 360, uh, there were games like Bioshock and the original Mass Effect uh, that were only supposed to be on 360, but eventually they got released for PS4. Now we have PUBG that was supposed to be on Xbox and is now being released for uh, for PlayStation. And you know we've seen the same thing with Metal Gear Solid and many other games. Um, Fortnite is now has crossplay. So, I mean, maybe all the best minds need to just come together, stop making us have every console just so we can play one or two games that are only on, you know, PlayStation or Xbox or, or Switch, um, and, and stop making us pay for multiple online subscriptions and just make one console, just come together and do it. That's my hot take on that. Uh, we'll keep things moving, and in the interest of time, we won't share too many more news stories. Um, there's some cool stuff happening with Overwatch. The new character Ash came out today. And then I'll share this as our last news story. This is on Kotaku.com. Uh, it says there's, it's, and the title is Toronto esports team pulls out of Overwatch because it couldn't use quote Toronto anymore. There's taking your ball and going home. And then whatever there's whatever Toronto esports just did after a few days of unusual tweets from the organization's president and founder, including an unanswered challenge to issued to Overwatch League's new Toronto team, Toronto Esports suddenly dropped out of Overwatch's minor league contenders over a naming dispute. Long story short, y'all, they weren't allowed to use the word Toronto in the title of their team, so they completely dropped out of the tournament. Um, I think that the chance to compete in Esports is amazing, and you have to be very good to do so. So in my opinion, if you have an invite to be in the Overwatch League, which is the premier Overwatch Esports platform, just change the name of your team to something else. Um, and that's our gaming news for the week, Mac. Back over to you. All right. Well, now that we've taken a look at some of the stuff that's going on right now, let's take a look at the past and how we got here with a bit of gaming history. So I have a few notable games that came out this past week in years that have gone before, most of them clustered around the early 2000s. So we'll just throw this out there and pay quick homage to, uh, to them. And I want to um, take special note of Counter-Strike which was released uh, on the PC in the year 2000. Now, I don't know what sort of ideas most people have in their heads when they think about Counter-Strike, but I think about then in the early 2000s, um, the kind of the only time that I really uh, did an internet cafe, if you will. Basically, there were these there were these spots, even in a small place like where I was living at the time, um, there were uh, there was a whole sort of computer annex off of the side of the you know board game and card game uh, you know the game store where there were about uh, twelve PCs set up and among other things they could play Counter Strike and that was most of the usage that they saw. Um, I saw some really awesome things go down there, and while a game like Counter-Strike wasn't exactly my scene, you know, that sort of competitive head-to-head, you know, uh, first-person shooter gameplay, it's something that I cannot deny absolutely shaped um, a lot of the conversation and a lot of, uh, you know, and a lot of 
where I chose to spend my time in the early 2000s, as, you know, a lot of my friends were really big into Counter-Strike. Uh, I don't know, Mr. Nice Guy, if Counter-Strike held any special uh, significance for you. You know, it's crazy because it didn't at the time, um, but in later years it did. Now, I remember in high school, that was the game. Um, people would have LAN parties, and, you know, they would play, you know, the StarCrafts and things like that, but they'd also play a lot of Counter-Strike. Like, there were some kids, I remember they skipped the prom to play Counter-Strike. Um, cause they That's were somebody's that. priorities that are in line. Well, yeah, you know, I can't blame them for that. Um, and they probably had more fun than those of us who went to the prom. Um, but anyway, bottom line is, yeah, it was, it was like the game of the 2000s. Um, more so probably than like GTA 3 even. And I think it was that whole concept of competitive multiplayer. Um, in the 90s, it was... Uh, you know, GoldenEye and Perfect Dark on, on you know, the couch co-op, but the ability to play online if you had a decent PC was something that was, was, in my opinion, for my age group, new at that time. And so I remember my brother um, building a PC specifically so he could play these types of cool games and, and things like that. So yeah, it was huge, man. It shaped a lot of the esports scene today. And, and guess what, Mac? It's still relevant. Mm-hmm. What are we on now? CS, uh, a CSGO? Uh, yeah, CSGO uh, came out for the Xbox 360. It had bots in it, so it wasn't quite as competitive. It didn't take off like the PC version, but they continue to update the PC version. People are still trying to collect skins and weapons, uh, and it's still you know one of the top-viewed games on Twitch. still has a very, very active esports scene, and it's just still popular You know, 15 years later, so it's just unbelievable. Indeed it is, and it all started this week in 2000. Now, another gem that started this week, but in 2001, was Golden Sun for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, now, I know I've mentioned before that uh, that I got a, myself a Game Boy Advance. It was a present from my parents. Uh, it was one of the... Well, I mean, I... I uh, but Golden Sun is uh, one of the games that I uh, picked up for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, my parents bless their hearts. I believe they got me what it was a, it, it was a um. Oh, sorry about that. Um, uh, what did they get me? They got like a 101 Dalmatians game. Uh, that uh, you know they tried their best is the point. Sure. But sure. Uh, but I turned around and got myself Golden Sun. Uh, fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, RPG. I want to say that it. You know, my first playthrough, I probably sunk uh, more than 60 hours into. Just really good times playing that. Um, Dude, and I missed out on Golden Sun. Oh, did you? Oh, man, it was good stuff. It was one of the more popular games on the Game Boy Advance, and I definitely Mm -hmm. remember hearing about it, but for some reason, I just never got into it. Um, Tell me, if you could tell me a little more, it's RPG, right? Yeah, sure. It's an RPG, and so uh, it, it has a lot of the trappings of an RPG. You'll get into battles. There's random encounters in a lot of places, boss fights. Uh, uh, the sort of gimmick behind it is that you can you equip various, uh, essentially GFs, or in this case they were called Jins, um, and they not only granted you magics, but also you could use them as summons. But where it got interesting was the magics that you had access to depended upon the combination of these magical forces that you had equipped. 
And as you as you uh, summoned them, so like you know, the summoning would do a lot of damage, but then it would uh, lock off certain segments of spells until you re-equipped them. So uh, so you kind of had to balance the whole. Oh, do I use this really powerful spell at the cost of the magic spells that I like? Because I'll change from having you know access to fire spells to just having access to earth spells, and you know things like that. So it was it was a nice layer of tactics on it, but not too much tactical thinking. You know, not so much that there was uh, too many options, but just just enough. So, so yeah, definitely a good one. It even kind of, I think it even stands up well today. So, if you've got the chance, uh, play that on your multi-cabinet, yeah? If I can find it. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so all right. Uh, uh, then the next one I want to hit real quick is uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, which was released for the PS2 in 2001. Um, when uh, it was that time when Metal Gear Solid uh, kind of gave us a big gotcha moment to all of us who had played Metal Gear Solid 1 uh, by thinking, making us think that we were going to play a game with Solid Snake and then giving us Raiden. Um, they eventually kind of walked that back, and subsequent games in the Metal Gear Solid franchise uh, featured Metal er, featured Solid Snake heavily. But uh, I, I I see Metal Gear Solid Two as kind of the failed attempt to try and make us love another character. And uh, and I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Mister Nice Guy. I haven't played the newest of the Metal Gears, but in these, uh, in the other Metal Gear, so- Metal Gear Solid games in the franchise, they have thankfully focused on Solid Snake. That's correct. Yeah, that's my. I haven't played all of them, but that is absolutely right. Yeah. So they learned their lesson. That's the that's the important bit. And then, in just a little bit of levity, in 2008, we saw the release of Quop. For PC, which for those of you who don't know, you uh, control a character on the screen with the buttons Q, W, and O, and P that control his uh, his uh, what his thighs and his uh, uh, and his like uh, ankles or what have you, and you need to try and get him to do a hundred meter dash. And it is hilarious because it's like it's a ragdoll game basically. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> oh, do you have you not played Quop? I have not. No. Uh, you owe it to yourself to try it and be frustrated at just how crazy difficult it is. It seems like a simple thing. It is not. Huh. Interesting. I'll have to look into that. But uh, but anyway, that's what I had for gaming history for this week. Fantastic. Well, we'll keep things moving, ladies and gentlemen, with the next segment of our show. It's called the topic of the week where we talk about something that's relevant in gaming and give our opinions on it. So this one is about Blizzard. Um, as you may know, last week we talked about how Blizzard announced, uh, what was it called? <laughs> Diablo Immortal. Uh, well, now Blizzard has, says that the, that has said that they are going to release some more mobile games. Let's see what we think about this. It says, Blizzard, oh, this is on GameSpot. It says, Blizzard executive producer Alan Admin, Adham, excuse me, has announced that more of the developers' IPs may get the mobile game treatment. The news comes out after the announcement of Diablo Immortal, a mobile title that's part of the Diablo franchise. Diablo franchise. In ter- I can't read today, Mac. In terms of, quote, in terms of Blizzard's approach to mobile gaming, many of us over the last few years have shifted from playing primarily desktop to playing many hours on mobile. 
And we have many of our best developers now working on new mobile titles across all of our IPs, said Adam during a BlizzCon 2018 press conference, according to a Reddit user. Quote, some of them are with external partners like Diablo Immortal. Many of them are being developed internally only and will have information to share on those in the future. I will say also that we have more new products in development today at Blizzard than we've ever had in our history, and the future is very bright. Unquote. We read this last paragraph. It says, Blizzard's four main franchises are Diablo, Warcraft, Starcraft, and Overwatch. The developer has already enjoyed success with Hearthstone Heroes of Warcraft, a free-to-play collectible card game based on the Warcraft series, the original released on PC before being ported to Mortal. Mobile. So, Mac, in my opinion, man, there's some games that are meant to be played on mobile. Card games mm-hmm. like Hearthstone. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some games that are not. Um, first-person shooters. Uh, I guess to some extent, you actually really can play a strategy game on, on mobile, uh, assuming that the screen is big enough and the controls are tight enough. But what do you think about this, man? Blizzard has really established themselves as a company that that produces quality content and supports it. What, do you, what are your thoughts on... I have some strong opinions, but what are your thoughts on them putting this type of energy into mobile titles? So, you know, more power to them. I think I've mentioned before that I think a lot of it may have to do with the uh, recent success that Fortnite has had on mobile. That by, you know, putting something from an, from an arguably... Well definitely not arguably, but from a much more well-established IP uh, that could stand to net them a lot. Uh, Putting it on mobile is a slam dunk from a, you know, uh, from a financial perspective. Um, So I I think they're probably following the money, and this is probably going to turn out to be a really good move for them overall. Uh, I'm going to hold off judgment on the game itself until I've played it, although in general I have yet to see what I thought was a good intuitive, a good control scheme that worked for this type of a game. So, eh, but we'll see. Yeah, man, I don't know. I don't know if I, <laughs> if I can buy into this. Uh, I feel like they already have so many good games and so many iconic games. Um, they've got Overwatch... They've got, you know, StarCraft, WarCraft. None of those are meant to be played on mobile, in my opinion. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. And okay, I, I so, agree so, uh, that they're not, like, built from the ground up from mobile, and that is probably going to be a big hurdle for them. And and the thing is, like, if they needed more exposure for those games, then maybe it would make sense. Put them on mobile and then get people to bite and then buy the, the console and the PC versions. But I don't know, man. I mean, we have esports versions of some of these games. And so, I mean, you're not really getting more practice by playing them on your phone. You know, I I don't know, man. I, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think as many people have unlimited data as they think. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're just playing these games against NPCs uh, or you're playing them when you're on Wi-Fi and that's it. Uh, additionally, I think that they could take the time that they're putting to move all these to mo- mobile and just create another really, really awesome game. You know, it was funny when they came out with Overwatch. It, it was going to be amazing, but it was totally out of their comfort zone. They hadn't really done first-person shooters before. Um, why not make, you know, for lack of a better thought coming to my mind right now, why not make a platformer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or or just, so, just something, you know, step out of your comfort zone, make something new, but don't, you know, in my opinion, waste everybody's time by putting these games on a platform that's never going to be equal to 
to console. And, and I know that at their recent event, Apple said that the new iPhone is comparable in power to the Xbox One, and that's fine, but no one is getting off work and sitting down and wanting to game for three or four hours on their phone, unless it's just little dinky mini games like, uh, like Candy Crush or something. So I think that this is a bad idea. I think that it's a marketing move because they didn't want people to get upset when they say, hey, we got something new coming for Overwatch, and then it turns out to be a point-and-click Overwatch shooter. Um, that's what happened with Diablo when they announced Diablo Mobile. People were upset. They're trying to soften the blow by stating this in advance. That's what I think. Gotcha. Well, you're probably right there. But who knows? I mean, maybe they'll surprise us. And if anyone can make something awesome on a, a unique platform, it's Blizzard. So uh, that's been our topic of the week. Back over to you, Mac. All right. Well, Mr. Nice Guy, I have a certain bias towards uh, specific genres and types of games. And it will surprise you not at all to hear that for today's kick or kickstart, I have something very much in a vein that will not surprise you one bit. So I'm putting a link in the chat so that those of you who are here with us live can see it. It's a game called Perfect Harmony. And Perfect Harmony was on my radar in the first place because um, there was, uh, because he made a fan game, this guy Nick Ridgway, made a fan game called uh, Mega Man Perfect Harmony. Um, and I played it and quite enjoyed it. It was, it was really quite good. Um, it, uh, <laughs> it, it was basically four player Mega Man. And uh, now that there are some new Mega Mans that are uh, that are being made, uh, Nick has decided to you know set his sights on building a another four pl- uh, you know two to four player cooperative Mega Man style game. So that's side scrolling platformer shooter. And um, I, since I've already, I, I mean, he, he, here's what I can say about it, right? You know I've got this big rule that every game needs to have a playable demo so that I can see and make sure that it, that you can that you can make it work. Um, there is a playable demo for his uh, uh, for his uh, perfect harmony, but also I've played what I feel likes also a good demo of it by playing the four player co-op um, Mega Man Perfect Harmony as it was known back in the day. Um, all in all, he's looking for 5,000 to put together, uh, this game, you know, Perfect Harmony. Um, and, uh, if you want to get a digital copy of the game, easy buy-in at 10 bucks. Uh, so if you're a fan of classic style Mega Man games, this is definitely, definitely going to, you know, going to appeal to you. Uh, still got a little under 40 days to go. So, yeah, uh, for my part, Mr. Nice Guy, I'm just going to throw it out there. This is definitely a kickstart for me. I love it. I'm already convinced about the uh, about the programmer's ability to get things done. Um, delivery of April 2019, eh, probably more like June or July of 2019, if I'm honest. But uh, but aside from that, I, mean, I, I loved his earlier work, and I think... Uh, I think that I'll be, I will definitely be putting some money down on this one. Okay, so I just want to understand, yeah, make sure. sure I understand. Now, is this, did he just copy and paste Mega Man levels? No, no. Okay, I'm just looking at this, and obviously a lot of it looks like like some exact replicas of Mega Man levels in this trailer, but I could just be wrong. Um, so this is a co-op game. 
And yes. it's, is, is it only coming to PC or do we know what platforms? Um, so the platforms, it's definitely coming for PC. He does mention that uh, he does mention that he's going to work on porting for PlayStation Four and Switch. Really. Uh, we, we all know that go that that's probably going to be a bit uh, a bit much trying to port it to Switch as Nintendo Switch does charge. I'm given to understand a a pretty penny for putting your stuff onto uh, onto there. Now, uh, it does definitely have some have a lot of similarities to the Meg- to the Mega Man games because that's what it's based on. But uh, but there's plenty of this of the levels that aren't direct pulls at least. Uh, but the demo does have a lot of similarities, no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean this is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm I'm impressed that he's only asking for five thousand. And part of the reason I'm impressed is because I trust your judgment, Mac. And if you said you've played one of his games before and it was good. Um, then it leads me to believe that this is pretty much complete and he just needs that 5,000 as a final push to get where he's trying to go, which I think is awesome. Yeah, because um, he did a fantastic job of the first Perfect Harmony that was Mega Man Perfect Harmony that was a total, you know, uh, you played as, let's see, it was if I remember right, you played as Proto Man, Mega Man, Bass, and Anchor. Uh, from the from the classic series, and that was that was just really 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 fun game. I uh, never was able to get four people to play all together at once, but uh, with two people, it was still very enjoyable. Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna give this guy credit just because he, you know he said you say he's done something cool in the past. Um, he's only charging ten bucks for a copy of the game, and uh, and he's also not really that far away from being done if he's projecting an April 2019 release. He could have projected it two years out. Um, I like when people put the groundwork in before asking for money. And so I'm going to say kickstart this. Sweet. And I say kickstart as well. So there it is. It's unanimous. And those of you who are watching live, feel free to type into the chat and let us know what you think about it, whether it should be kicked out of here or whether it should be kick-started. So that's what I had today for Kick or Kick Start. Mr. Nice Guy, back over to you, sir. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time for the main event. The Dummy of the Week, 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 Week. A segment of the show where we talk about someone who did something stupid, idiotic, or downright dumb, or in this week's case, something downright dangerous. Uh, this happened on November 11th, 2018, or at least that's when this article was written. This comes from Knox News. <clears throat> it says, a 30-year-old man is facing felony charges after flying into rage while playing a video game and firing more than a dozen rounds from two different handguns into the ceiling and walls of his bedroom of his <laughs> Knox County home, according to court records. <laughs> Uh, and he looks exactly like you think he would, um, if you want to Google this story. It says, one of the bullets, this is the part that's not funny, um, one of the bullets struck a house directly across the street where a family of three was at home, arrest warrant state. Authorities later found the round lodged behind a window shutter. No one was inside the house. No one inside the house was injured. That's good. Uh, Casey L. Jones is charged with four counts of reckless endangerment involving a deadly weapon following the incident. Reported at 1.37 a.m. Wednesday on the 5100 block of Magic Lantern Drive. A woman in the home with Jones told Knox County Sheriff's Office deputies there was no trouble before Jones erupted. Um, She stated that no argument had taken place, but the arrestee was playing Xbox when he suddenly had a breaking point and began screaming at the game. 
the arrest warrant states he's Oh man, he smashed the gaming console with his fist, causing him to act out in more rage. <laughs> this dude's like the Incredible Hulk. The victim then told officers, Jones, went upstairs to the bedroom and began firing rounds <laughs> through the ceilings and walls, but never pointed the firearm at her. The arrestee made threats of harming himself and has a history of making those same threats, according to the victim. Jones later admitted to authorities he had picked up a Springfield XDS handgun from his nightstand and fired several rounds into the ceiling, the warrant states. Then he grabbed a Springfield XDM and fired another volley of gunfire through the walls. One of those rounds went through the bedroom window and struck the neighbor's house. Authorities recovered 16 shell casings from the bedroom. Both handguns were confiscated. There was no word on what game Jones was playing (laughs) before he lost control. Jones, who has no previous criminal history in Knox County, has been released on $8,000 bond. He is set for arraignment November 14th. Um, this, I shouldn't even be laughing. Uh, I, this is just insane. You know, it, it's one of those stories, Mac, where before he made these decisions, he had at least five different instances when he could have just chosen to calm down, you know, when when he lost the game, I don't know what he maybe he was playing Minecraft. That makes people get angry. Mm-hmm. Um, he he could have just said, you know what, it's just a game, and just turned off the control the console. When he smashed the console with his fist, you'd think that would have been enough for him to stop, but it wasn't. As he was walking up the stairs, he could have thought, you know what, I should not go get my guns right now and shoot them off randomly around my house. But instead, he walked up the stairs and did that. Um, after he shot off the first round of bullets from the first gun. He could have said, you know what, I just wasted a bunch of ammo and did something extremely dangerous. I should stop now. But instead, he went and got a second gun and did it again. So, um, it, it makes us look bad as gamers when people do things like this. And I've never had an experience where I was that angry at a game, Mac. You I know, have... go ahead. Uh, they say stuff about, you know, get so mad you break a controller. The worst I've ever gotten is I've snapped off a thumbstick. But that was because I was just, you know, cranking on it too hard, not because I broke it in anger after the fact. Right, exactly. Know? Yeah, man, this this is just silly. Uh, but anyway, that's our dummy of the week. Back to you, buddy. Okay. Well, uh, so I, I think w- w- what I want to do now is uh, last time we were talking legalese, uh, I talked a little bit about uh, DRM, right? Digital Rights Management. And uh, as a little bit of history behind it, the very first DRM uh, programs were actually called ROI programs or return on investment programs. And uh, I think that that's kind of noteworthy because when we're talking about DRM, digital rights management, that's really sort of a misnomer. It's kind of like when you give something a name that sounds different so that it kind of softens the blow. At its core, DRM, the only point of DRM, the only reason why people are using that is to ensure a return on investment. And it's not like a company shouldn't have a return on their investment. After all, thousands of man hours, you know, thousands of dollars in development in in so many costs ought to be recouped. After all, if we don't have 
You know, if we don't have any ability for someone to sell their games, how on earth are we going to keep getting games made if someone can't profit off the sale of their of their video games? So, I mean, I, I don't think in question when people talk about DRM and how frustrating it can be is that people don't want, you know, a game publisher to be able to sell their games. If anything, most of the time when people are frustrated with DRM methods, they're usually frustrated precisely because it prevents them from either buying or playing the games. In, in a lot of cases, companies want to make money or continue to make money off of something, and gamers like you and me and everybody who's listening, really all we want is just to play. Let us, you know, you spent sunk thousands of hours into making a work of art. Let us enjoy and appreciate it. So with that being said, um, there is, there have been so far very few legal precedents or lawsuits surrounding uh, DRM, uh, specifically when a game dies. And that's, that's kind of the, what I want to talk about, just the one small piece of legalese that we have thus far on DRM and why we do have so little. So, video games dying is not a new thing, and video games die when we're no longer able to play them and experience the artwork, or the art form. Um, For a game that has an online, say, component, maybe it only kind of dies because you can still play it, but without the online bit, or when there are persistent online authentication DRMs in place, usually that means that the game is dead completely, because when a game when a game company no longer wants to support uh, the you know the the online authentication for say I don't know WWE 2K14, then that game no longer is playable by anyone anywhere anytime forever, until the game company decides to spend more money, time, and resources in putting those servers back up. So basically. Any game that you've played in the last decade that you liked that relied on servers to link to, um, be prepared for it to go away. Just, you know, that's that's the fact of the matter. And that is all rooted in this idea of DRM and of trying to make sure that the game company can still profit off of it, which seems a little bit silly when the game's no longer being sold, but I will, I will stay away from that. So, as I said, we only have one piece of legalese. And the only reason we have this piece of legalese is because somebody uh, went to the trouble of trying to make a lawsuit um, against EA for closing down their, you know, closing down some of their games. Now, it never got heard in court because EA invoked an arbitration clause to keep it from going to court so that they had to force a settlement out of court. Um, And I think the reason, naturally, that we haven't seen this is because game companies, game developers have been going for when someone's felt passionately enough to to make a lawsuit happen, uh, they've relied on these arbitration clause to make sure that it never gets heard. Because when you think about how that would play in front of a judge, for someone to say, 
I paid, and, and I'm going to, you know, uh, just Bassett v. Electronic Arts in 2013 is the one that I'm, uh, that I'm specifically referring to. His argument was that he paid full price for these games. He paid a lot of money um, in, in extra bells and whistles in order to play uh, specifically two games that he references, uh, you know, that EA made. And then they were closed and his investment had gone away and there was no indication on the game itself or in the literature or anything like that that this would all just go away and he argued that himself as well as other players were being defrauded because they were never given any sort of end of life thing and and he even went so far to say that you know that that what he was looking for what we want what we would expect from a game that's just going to disappear is some kind of notice some kind of a hey this won't always be the case but more to the point we want above all some way to keep enjoying the art form after a company decides that it's no longer worth their time or their money to support it because maybe maybe it's important to us and that's such go ahead go ahead no 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 after you Dude, that's such a good point, um, and I don't want to steal your thunder, but I mean, Fallout 76 just came out today, and I'm a huge fan of the Fallout games. Traditionally, they have never had a multiplayer component, uh, and I remember when I played Fallout 3, I thought, wow, this would be such a cool universe to explore with my friends. Um, now they have released Fallout 76, which is only multiplayer, uh, and you know, it's it's coming out today. It came out today. Eventually, Mac. That, those servers are going to be taken down and mm-hmm. that game will literally be useless. Yes. Um, and no one will be allowed to create a new server to continue it other than maybe on PC, I guess. Um, but it's just, it's frustrating to think that a game that you can buy and, you know, no one's saying that you won't get your money's worth over the next five to seven years while it's still up, but you're going into it knowing that eventually it'll be gone and it's not like you know a mario or a single player game where you can pop it in at any time and go back and enjoy it or even a skyrim or a fallout 3 you can always go back and play those because they're not based on the internet um but this game eventually is just gonna die and, and it'll just be a disc that you own where you can't even play it yeah this game it was born on life support and it will be on life support. Sorry to get too macabre, but it'll be on life support until the day Bethesda decides to pull the plug. And the fact of the matter is, is that the more we move toward these things, you remember recently they were talking a lot about uh, streaming only consoles, about you never actually get right. the game. Ubisoft is on board with this. Microsoft is on board with this, where they, where you know, they want to stream the game's content right directly to you. You don't actually do it. That sort of an idea is terrifying to me because insofar as something like, I mean, what happens when they need to make the decision, do we, and I know these are two different companies, but just bear with me here. Um, What happens when they decide, well, Fallout 76 is really popular with most of our, you know, players, but you know what's not? NBA 2K18, 19, you know, whatever we're on at that time. And we only have so much server space. And because we have to stream all the data all the time to your consoles, we have to make cuts. We cannot possibly support all of them at once. This will hasten the rate at which games get pulled their plugs. So, uh, and as of right now, 
for whatever reason, maybe it's because it's below the radar enough, most of the casualties have been primarily mobile games, uh, because those, we can get into that later, but, uh, but we haven't seen many lawsuits go for these games, and we need something. We need a big old class action lawsuit to compel video game companies to present us with an end of life plan for their games. And especially my take, they need to open it up, open it up so that we can support those. If it's a game we love, we want, we want to dedicate the time and resources. Let us do it. There's nothing, watching somebody play a game is not quite the same as experiencing it for yourself. I, I know that's, that's blasphemy here on Twitch, the, the home of, uh, of watching people play video games, but it's just not quite the same. And uh, while it can scratch an itch, while it can also be enjoyable, um, I feel like when we resign ourselves to this sort of thing, to games coming into this world with an, you know, with a date, a, an undefined date at which they're going to be terminated, and there's nothing you can do about it, is terrifying because I see video games as an actual art form. I see it as an art form, not merely an entertainment. And if you think that games also are something that is worth being played, shared, and cherished. This should also concern you. So come together, brothers, sisters, friends, Romans, countrymen. We must take a <laughs> class action at some point in time. And I will not be representing us because I'm not a lawyer. I just play one on, on a podcast. So that's what I add for legalese today. Fantastic. Well, we'll wrap it up real quick. Ladies and gentlemen, that's been our show. Um, before we go, we like to do one last segment called What We've Been Watching and What We've Been Playing. I'm going to apologize for the technical difficulties today. Not sure what's been going on. Um, but we fought through and it's been a fun show. So, Mac, you want to lead us off? What nerdy stuff have you been watching and playing? Lately? All right. So playing some Dungeons and Dragons. Also, I've been playing some... Uh, I've been playing some Chasm. There was recently a daily and weekly challenge mode opened up, and so I've been enjoying that. Um, and uh, we've been, as for watching, we've been watching some Back Through Community. I've also been polishing off uh, um, Breaking Bad again. And, uh, oh yeah, and the Castlevania Season 2 from Netflix which is uh, definitely deserves note as probably the best video game adaptation to date. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow, that's high praise. Well, cool. I've been uh, I've been watching uh, Madam Secretary. What else I've been watching? Walking Dead. Um, I won't spoil anything because I don't know where you're at, Mac. But I feel like the last episode, not this past week, but the week before, was very well done. Mm -hmm. um, I'll say that, and I'll leave it at that. And uh, what else? Um, that's what I've been watching. What I've been playing, like I said earlier, I've been playing a lot of Halo, playing a lot of PUBG, um, and then everything on the Switch. Monster Hunter, um, been doing the Shovel Knight challenges. That's it. Um, I do want to say, this Black Friday is looking like it's going to be really, really good. Uh, I've been waiting, waiting, waiting for several games to, um, be released at a discount, or rather be decreased to a discount. And some of them are going to be, be cheap. Horizon Zero Dawn Complete Edition, which I never got to play, going to be 10 bucks on Black Friday. Um, definitely going to pick that up. Also, Uncharted Lost Legacy I never played. 
that's going to be cheap. Uh, so if you're a gamer, Google it. There's a ton of good stuff out there. Black Friday is going to be fantastic. You can do it online. You don't got to go elbow people to get these game deals. Uh, just just hit up Amazon or GameStop. Uh, and that's it, Mac. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming around. I'm sorry for the quick departure, but uh, but Mac's got something to go support Mrs. The Mac at. But you all are the greatest viewers on Twitch and the greatest listeners on your respective podcast platforms. Um, thanks for being here. We'll uh, see you same bat time, same bat channel next week, uh, 8 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Central. Uh, in the meantime, keep it nerdy. See ya.